Hi, everyone. Chris here. I uh, just wanted to jump in for a quick minute and uh, alert you to a couple of things. Uh, first, you'll notice that uh, we kind of start early here. Uh, this was recorded when we were recording two sessions back to back. So you'll notice that Andrew says, welcome back. Uh, that was welcome back after the second session, um, but you're being welcome back, I guess, to uh, this new episode. Uh, and then secondly, I wanted to mention that uh, we have noticed that there have been some issues with the audio. Uh, I apologize for that. I think we we're having an issue with some compression, uh, but I've figured that out, I think, for the most part. Uh, so hopefully this epi- episode sounds a lot better. And then finally, I wanted to let you know that we do have new equipment, finally. Uh, so that will also help with the audio quality. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. And here's the episode. No, I don't have anything. No, today's podcast is brought to you by Socks.com. Socks. You need them. They're for your feet. Winter is here. Your feet are going to get frostbite. Buy some socks. You can now get them at the post office. Socks.com. Anywhere you need, you got socks. If you're getting with the post office, why do you need a website? You can buy them anywhere. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I see. I'm sorry. I'm we have Walmart and Amazon.com. <laughs> we need both. Yeah. Okay. okay. Socks.com. Yeah. Don't get frostbite. <laughs> get your socks. <laughs> Apparently, either the post office <laughs> or online. <laughs> Free two-day shipping. Welcome back to Marginally Significant. We're going to be talking about uh, lab meetings. So all of us, um, well, three of us over here, all of us um, have active um, research labs. And so we have a number of um, graduate and undergraduate students um, working in our research labs, helping us collect data and whatnot. And um, we also have semi-regular lab meetings. And really the question is, what do we, well, what do we do at the lab meetings and maybe what should we or could we also do to make them a little bit better, especially, well, as Monroe mentioned um, uh, off air, uh, how you mentioned before about uh, um, at a a comprehensive university, at at a place where, you know, maybe it's a little bit different than a, a research one university and how things might be different. So I don't know, should we start with just what do we currently do in our lab meetings and then talk about what we should do or should we skip that because all of our lab meetings suck right now? And Well, I think providing the frame is important. So so I think the fact that we're at a comprehensive university is actually really important to, to this discussion because the way that a lab meeting would function at a comprehensive university where the majority of your lab members are probably going to be undergrads <laughs> compared to something like a research-heavy institution where the majority of your lab members will be PhDs or postdocs and like to a small extent undergrads. I, yeah. I think that that's actually a useful framing device yeah. for, for this discussion and, and sort of thinking about as a as researchers at a comprehensive, how do we think about what our lab meetings are, what we want them to do, and and where that might be different from a, a research-heavy institution? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, we can even talk about maybe some of our experiences where we got our PhDs or did postdocs and, and what the lab meetings were like there, because I would agree those are very different than the way that I run my lab meetings. And just the makeup of the, the, the lab is different, which obviously makes sense. All right, go. Who wants to start? Well, with what I do do, or <laughs> and there you said it. I said it. The voodoo that you do so much. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. Yeah. Um. So sure, I guess I mean I can't say what I actually do. 
Uh, thank you. Which is we meet weekly-ish mm-hmm. because I don't know, sometimes there are weeks when there's nothing going on or weeks when I'm out of town or something of that nature. So we meet weekly-ish and we do a quick round table if there are any quick announcements or so for example we, we help out with community pool recruitment. So if there are any community events we need to organize or like organize attendance at. Um, and then we dive into whatever topic I've decided for that day. So usually there is an agenda beforehand, or I try. This is, I should say, I shouldn't say usually because that implies I've been doing it for years. This year, I've <laughs> tried having an agenda beforehand so that there is at least some plan. Because I feel like uh, one of the, for me, one of the things that's different comparing what I'm doing to what was done when I was a graduate student is that I cannot run as many studies at once as were being run when I was a grad student, when my advisor was running studies. And so I have less work. I have less active data collection for my RAs to participate in. The other thing is that a lot of what I do is now online. And so I, I really sincerely just want less work for them to do. So I have to be really thoughtful. So we have to have some sort of plan ahead of time. So today we had practice talks for students who are going to conferences. Um, sometimes I'll assign an article. Sometimes we'll have brainstorming sessions where we sort of pick an idea and think about how could we design a study that tested this? Or how could we frame a research question? A lot of times it'll be a reaction to something in the news since we do legal psychology. So I'll say, look, the New York Times just published this article on how horrible eyewitness lineups are. What do we do? And we'll brainstorm. And a lot of times those don't end anywhere, right? It's just the idea generation process. Um, but the problem I have, well, I have multiple problems with this, but one is that I do feel that my students, the undergrads in particular, walk away thinking they didn't do anything. So if we have a day where I didn't assign a reading and we spend an hour generating an idea where I just sort of introduce the concept, then they will walk away thinking, oh, we don't really do anything in that lab. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So... Uh, why? I, I feel like I mean, so so from my experience, I, I feel like the one of the best things we can do for our undergrads is to give them an uh, an entry into. So sometimes the research project project starts with a, a phenomenon, and we sort of generate ideas around that phenomenon, and then we figure out exactly like a tight empirical way to test that. And um, you feel like the undergrads don't feel like that is really doing anything. Well, I don't think they're seeing it all the way through. actually. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think part of it too is if they see the output is here is the study we're going to run, then yeah, they'll say, oh yeah, we we designed the study. But imagine they just do the first half of that of like coming up with the ideas and kind of, you know, throwing out some bad ideas, you know, refining some of the good ideas, but they didn't leave with like, all right, so now here's the study we're going to run. They just went for the, through the first half of the process. Uh, I can 100% see why they would think that that isn't useful. 
But obviously, when we see that, we're like, wow, that was really cool how they were thinking about these different ideas, and they, they threw out the bad ideas, and they, you know, they realized they're bad and got the good. But I can see how they, they wouldn't see that because there's no output. They don't, they don't really see the, the end result. So, okay. so I, yeah, no, I can, I can totally see how that would happen, um, which, I mean, I don't know what to do about that. I mean, aside from, you know, just wrapping up the, the lab meeting and saying, like, all right, well, even though we didn't finalize something, you know, that was really great that we went through this process and explained to them the process was valuable, but... But can yeah. you come back then in, like, the next lab meeting and say, okay, so this is what we talked about last time. I've yeah. taken your ideas, I've refined them, and kind of here's the study that I'm thinking about now, and get feedback from them? Sometimes, yes, I could. Yeah, sure. If you wanted to do work, you could do that, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I think I do, but yeah. sometimes I, I either drop the ball, or I really am not actually... I was never planning on pursuing yeah. it. Yeah. It really was a thought experiment. Yes. Uh, and okay. so then I don't have any return. Yeah. Right? And maybe maybe the answer is don't do thought experiments with so. Yeah, but I but I think that I, I agree. I think they're like when you were talking about that, I can see the value in that. Like I don't do that with my students with our our um, uh, lab meetings, but I can see how that would be a, an interesting process of hey, you know, here's this phenomenon we see in the real world. Well, how do we actually systematically test that in a way that we can have control over whatever the, you know, idea is, and then we can measure the DB and so on and so forth. How can we actually do that? Because a lot of times I don't think they really understand. That's a really hard thing to figure out. And so so I think that that's a valuable thing. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I don't... I don't know. I'm encouraging you. Keep doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if they don't see the value, there is value. And I think that is my large overarching question is like, what is the purpose of the lab? Yeah. Yeah. And what... How do, we, how do we, well, just the, I mean, maybe in the lab in general, like, is the point, because I felt like as a graduate student, the purpose of having a lab was to get data collected, yeah. period. It was for warm bodies to collect data. Yeah. And I don't think that's just the purpose now. Yeah. Um, so what's the purpose? And then, like, is it a matter of just being maybe more meta, mm -hmm. like reminding people of like, appreciating the thing they just did, the, the thought experiment itself? And... I mean, I guess the way that I approach my my lab is that it is that there is certainly I'm not exactly sure like what the how the components break down, <laughs> but there's a component of it is about warm bodies who are going to collect data. Like that is a sizable part of why we have a lab meeting um, to organize how we're going to collect data. Part of it, and, and I'm increasingly coming around to this idea, is about professional development types of ideas. Um, so how do you give a talk? How do you figure out how to apply for grad school? And, I, and again, like in a, uh, in a comprehensive university, I think we might have a sort of like broader set of of professional development concerns to, to present to our students. Um, and then the other thing is I want them to learn how to do research. And, and so we do versions of sort of thought experiments or where I say, okay, here's an idea that we've been percolating. Um, here's the, here's the, like the core question we want to answer. Here's kind of how we think we might answer it. And then getting a lot of active feedback on sort of methodology from students about how do we actually think we might manipulate this variable or measure this other uh, dependent variable. And, you know, maybe half of the ideas are, aren't great, but, but my, I think one thing that's really wonderful about having 
having a, a lab that is more undergrad than master's student or even PhD and postdoc is the undergrads are sort of unencumbered in a really unique way for from like all of the uh, you know things that that you know we've learned over the years. They come up with some really unique ideas. Like the the miss potential is quite high, but every now and then there are really unique ideas that, that come out of these lab meetings. And I think that's largely because like undergraduates are not not encumbered with like these sort of classic ways of thinking about these questions. Yeah, I mean I could say the value in that. I mean what you know where I'm coming from and to give that like that distinction of you know the research one, you know, research intensive university versus comprehensive, where I'm coming from, it was very much the whole warm bodies thing, right? So we had lab meetings every week and the undergrads were there basically to um, get trained on the studies that we were running to hear, um, you know, the graduate students um, talk about the projects that we're running, give the graduate students chances to practice presenting, basically. Um, but the undergrads really were there just to be kind of like warm bodies. Yeah, and, to know, absorb. To absorb. But every once in a while, they would ask a question here or there. Every once in a while, there would be a little bit of feedback. But, I mean, really, like 90% of the time, it was the grad students um, presenting yeah. information, yeah, PI, and just talking about the research because there were, you know, three, four, five, uh, not five, but three or four um, grad students at any given time. And so there's just, I mean, studies being run every single week, and we have all this different stuff. And yeah, it's just very different now. We don't have, um, you know, the same productivity level because we don't have three or four or five graduate students. Um, so And because we're teaching more classes. And because right. we're teaching more classes, exactly. Yes, that's true. Yeah, we're not conducting as much research. So it's, it's different. Um, I think you're... I think you guys are doing a better job than I am. So my, um, because I'm, you know, coming from that, I don't know, tradition, that, that, um, experience, um, my lab meetings, you know, so we meet once a week, but it, most of it is really centered around, all right, here's the next study that we're going to be running. Here's how we're going to do that. Here's the study that we just ran. Here's what happened. And, you know, some of the things. And so we do try to, you know, talk to them about the research process and, and some of the things that happened and, oh, hey, this was a surprising thing that happened and this was interesting and whatnot. But I haven't really gotten much into like, hey, let's spend a, a week on this, you know, thought experiment of designing a study that would test something that I haven't even thought about yet. Or I haven't really done much of that. I think that could be valuable. It does take more work. Yeah. Like, so one thing that I'm proud of that historically I did and I've started again this semester is I, I split my lab. And so quite a few years ago now, I split the lab into sort of the main lab with the undergrad that's more traditional R1 style. And then for those stu select students who have been in the lab more than one semester, who have the interest in doc programs or master's programs, and who I think can handle it, <laughs> then I invite them to be part of what I call a practicum, because I have no better name. The core lab. Yeah, exactly. Cool and um, and cool. We, you invite them to the cool kids table. Basically, it's the cool kids yeah. table, yeah. And we just and they drive it, and I provide mentorship, but they decide to study. And I mean, from like a good study, right? Like a publishable study. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and we have had practicum. Our last practicum did get published, and mm -hmm. hopefully, this one will. Um, but. 
so in that process, I feel a lot more sort of proud of it mm -hmm. because I really, I don't have more than three who do it at mm -hmm. a time. And we start from, I do not give them a research question. I give wow. them a general area. I say it has to be within this area. Mm -hmm. And they read the literature, they report every week, and we design the study from scratch. And they have to be committed more than one semester as well. Wow. And um, so I feel like those students do learn a lot. Yeah. I don't know if the other lab, the big lab students okay. learn a lot. So do you see the, that lab meeting, the, the cool kids table lab yeah. meeting, as primarily like an educational experience? I do. Yeah. 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 I see it as educational. I, um, I see it as helpful in terms of like I do want it to be a study that can inform the literature and so there is a research goal in mind but my primary purpose is that I invite students who have shown who have, I mean like this semester for example the reason I did it this semester because I was on the fence was that a student from the big lab came to me and said you know I really feel like I want more detailed experience about how to design a study from start to finish and so it's for those select students who really want hands-on research experience. Yeah. yeah, I haven't done much of that. I mean, aside from just like honor students, and I guess there have been a couple of students who um, are honor students and we have independent projects, I have independent projects with, but doing that with the students, yeah, I think that could be valuable. I mean, the ones that who are interested in it, there, there are obviously always just going to be some students who it's like they just want to sign up, um, get their you know credit so they can say, hooray, I, I checked that off the list, and they want to participate at the minimal level, but I think there are a decent amount who probably would be fine doing more than, than maybe what I'm doing at this point. But it is more work, so I yeah. stopped doing it for a little while. I say that's, that's what I was thinking when you were saying this. I was like, all right, well, so where do you have time to do that? In addition yeah. to the master student projects and the honor student projects and your own projects, then you add in a whole other cool kids projects. I did, indeed. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot more work. Yeah, I don't know. I do like your idea, though, Monroe, the, uh, um, uh, you know, like, how to, you know, things about professional development of how to get into graduate school, um, what that process is like, and, and really giving some of the um, students some more information there, because that certainly is not something that was done, you know, in, you know, my PhD program went with the, um, the lab there. Um, and, but I think that's something that we're kind of uniquely able to give the students that they wouldn't normally get. So I do like that idea. Yeah. I, this is something that, I'm really wrestling with right now. So, so I think my, my sort of evolution in the lab meeting started with, so I came from an R1. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the way that I started my lab meetings was really, we're going to do it exactly the same way. We're going to have our, our weekly meetings. We're going to talk about the data that we've collected. We're going to talk about the data we're going to collect. And um, one thing that I discovered is, you know, when you don't have a bunch of grad students yeah. working in your lab, the pace of, of data collection is just much slower. And you want to keep your undergrads. Like, one thing that I often think about is, like, I want to keep my, my students, both undergrad and masters, like, excited mm -hmm. about the work that we're doing. And, and that actually started to to pull on me in a way that wasn't very positive. And what I mean by that is it made me feel pressured to like, okay, I need to produce like a new idea every week for them to, to wrestle with. And it was making me produce ideas that just were, were not theoretically typed, that, that were just worse ideas. 
And so as as I've gone on, I've, I've thought about how do I make a, a lab meet? Like, what is the purpose of a lab meeting at a at a comprehensive university? And and what I've come around to, or at least like my most recent iteration is, well, it's part our It's going to be part. We're going to talk about the data we've collected. We're going to talk about the data we're going to collect. But I also have we. I think we have a unique responsibility because our labs are so undergraduate heavy to use our labs as a professional development series. Um, and you know, a lot of students are interested in grad school, but the problem, like, how do you figure out where to apply? Like, how do you figure out who you are interested in? Um, there's not a there was never like a formal roadmap for that for me when I was a student. I thought like, well, one thing that'd be really helpful is to like have a set of rules or like some type of roadmap for looking at that. So we developed a week where we're going to talk about uh, where it's going to be me, but it'll also be students who are currently applying to PhD programs, currently applying and in master's programs, like talking about their their process to give the undergraduates an idea about how do you figure out what what you want to do as a as a student. So that. I think is is something that that we as a as a comprehensive university are sort of uniquely positioned to do that. Part of it is let's teach them how to collect data. Let's talk about the experiments that we're running. But the other part is I I think our lab meetings, or at least my view of lab meetings, are it's partly about developing our undergraduate and and also our master students. Like my master students give practice talks and, and all those types of things there. Um, but like next week we're gonna uh, I'm going to give a a talk a seminar on how to give a talk because as a graduate student I never there was never a series on like what makes a good talk yeah. and I guess we'll see like whether or not I give a good talk or not. But but I think this is something that undergraduate students would profit from because it sort of helps you organize your thinking. Graduate students would profit from because it's going to be something that will help you think about giving conference presentations. And it's something that I feel like a lot of PhD and a lot of uh, a lot of PhD students like you sort of stumble into learning how to give a good talk by giving a lot of shitty talks. Yes. <laughs> and I want to I, I really want like to help the students learn how to give a better like what are the component parts of a good talk? Because uh, all like for the record, like all of my talks that I ever gave in my lab meetings were absolute tripe. Uh, they were always terrible, and and it was it was through like failing over and over and over and over and over again that I finally learned how to like give a decent talk, or at least I think I give a decent talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably not, but probably. probably. But I got a job. So and that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, the, no, but I mean that's that's the sort of thing that I want to incorporate more into my lab meetings. That that like this past, so we have our lab meetings on Fridays. This past Friday. Um, I canceled our lab meeting because I didn't have anything to talk about because it was just like, we finished running one study. Um, we're not ready to run the next study. I, I, you know, didn't have anything that I needed to, to go over with them. Um, in the past I've done, um, like journal club type things. So like, here's an article and we'll read it. I, I actually don't like that. I, I, that I, like we would read it and then they would say like, yep, yeah, here's what happened. And I would try to like, you know, talk about it. And it was just like, 
like very stale. And so I, I didn't like that. So I don't want to assign a reading just for no reason. But I think some of these more professional development type things could be useful. Or here's an article. Let's not just talk about the article, but let's talk about like, hey, let's design a study yeah. that, that builds off of that and something that is really more... Um, I don't know, productive, you know, kind of productive than, than just like, hey, let's just summarize it. And I should say, one one change that I made is we went to bi-weekly lab meetings. Uh, yeah. So as I, I don't, we don't produce enough data or we don't produce enough content to have a, a weekly lab meeting. And so I decided that we would go to bi-weekly lab meetings so that each meeting would be more meaningful in yeah. that case. Um, so, but I think that's a, that's a big difference between like what we would do at a comprehensive university yeah. versus an R1 where like there's probably like some type of research finding every week, whereas we bring in research findings more slowly. Yeah. yeah. There, I, I, the, my only has, I mean, I think that, I think effectively I'm basically at, on a bi-weekly schedule. I haven't gone to that yet because every once in a while there are times where it's nice to have the back to back. When we're you know starting a new study, especially some that are a little bit more um, like some of them, it's just like I yeah, get on a computer and run it. But some of them, there's been a lot more interaction with it, the RAs, the, the research assistants, and the participants, and it's really been nice to you know the first week we talk about here's what you're going to do. After that, that you know, a week later, then it's like, all right, how did those first few sessions go? And so, doing that every week has been um, sometimes is useful, but I think effectively most of the semester we really are on a, a bi-weekly thing anyway. Yeah, same here. And I really do like the idea of touching on professional development topics, mm-hmm. but I do also draw a blank after get into grad school. Like I like the talk I do because yeah. I never would have thought of doing that, um, and I just can't think of. We do talk about, um, or we have at least in the past talked about, like professionalism, mm-hmm. and in terms of sort of how do you interact with yeah. humans yeah. <laughs> who are judging you. Um, and so I guess that's another topic. But beyond that, I don't even, I can't generate ideas that are. I mean, for and I try to, to position that, right? and I say I try. Like this is the very first semester that yeah. that I've I've incorporated this. So I I, I don't want to like make up that this has been a longstanding policy. Uh, but so in the in the spring we're going to talk about like how do you how do you decide like who to apply like where to apply like how do you figure out where you want to apply in the fall we'll talk about like actually like going through the process of like developing your materials. Um, but we're also going to talk about yeah, uh, like open science types of things. So I think one thing that we'll do is we'll talk a lot about pre-registering ideas, like how do you use the open science framework. Um, those are, and, and so there'll be a lot of research types of things. Um, one thing that I want to do is just survey my undergraduates, like yeah. what types yeah, of things do you want to know? Yeah, um, because I'm not, I'm not entirely confident. So like. I think all three of us coming from an R1 viewpoint, like, well, obviously the ultimate goal yeah. is to become a researcher and a professor. And like the fact is that our students don't all have that ultimate goal. And and I I, I know that I have that particular blind spot. And so I want to maybe survey them for what would you like to know? And then see if I can bring in people to, to talk about things where I may not have expertise. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, that idea, like, 
what do they want and need to know. That's one of the reasons why I've been a little bit hesitant to add in things like, let's say, talking about the um, uh, OSF um, and how to navigate that because, you know, when you think about, all right, so I have, I don't know, something like eight undergrads um, um, in the lab and two graduate students, there are probably, you know, four, maybe three of us who are ever going to use the OSF. Yeah. You know, most people, most of the undergrads aren't. They're not going to continue on. They're not going to go to graduate school. They're not going to do these things. So I, I get a little bit hesitant to, to kind of get into some of those more, more what I think are useful, practical things, but, but stuff that they're just not, most of them aren't going to use. Yeah, I, I think I would push back a little bit there and say, even if they're never going to use them, like one of the things I want my students to take out of an undergraduate education is a, is a faith in the scientific process. Yeah. And, and so even if they are never going to use OSF, um, I want them to know that it exists and I want them to sort of understand the, not safeguards, but, but the, the processes that OSF helps us put in place mm-hmm. to make sure that we're doing good science so that when they graduate, even if they're never going to be a psych researcher, that they sort of understand the contours of like what makes a better way of asking questions. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. With that. I mean, and, and I definitely want to talk about that at a um, kind of general level of yeah. here's what pre-registration is and hey, posting data, there's a place where we can post data. Yeah. But to have them like learn, you know, all right, so you're going to create an account and you're going to create a new project and here's how you create a registration. There there's, you know, 27 different types of pre-registrations that you can pick, and here's the one, you know, like, I just, going through that, I wouldn't necessarily do, but I do agree yeah. that with the, the general of, like, just the idea of what is a pre-registration, and how does that help, and how, how does that prevent some of the p-hacking things that, that can happen? And, uh, and I agree with that. No, the, and I, I should say, like, I, I completely agree. Um, we don't go through, like, here are all the nuts and okay. bolts for, for the undergrads, because... I, I don't think that would be useful for them because a lot of them won't ever use it. Yeah. But uh, but I do want to give them like the overview. Like this is yeah. the open science framework. This is pre-registration. This is why it's important. Uh, and then for like the grad students, I really do yeah. want them to get into the weeds of the OSF. I want them yeah. to pre-register their studies. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, all the grad students, but that's kind of independent of these the lab meetings. Yeah. yeah, so I'm trying to think of like what, so, you know, I think, I think, um, the, the ideas that you had were good. So, um, what's, uh, you know, giving a presentation and getting into grad school. Um, what are some other, um, you know, topics that, that could cover? I mean, the first one, honestly, that comes to my mind is, um, you know, jobs other than, um, you know, gr- you know, grad school, PhD in psychology. What do psychology undergrads do other than what we did? McDonald's. What was that? McDonald's. Yes. That's the, that's the goal. Um, but the problem there is that obviously kind of by definition, we are um, not equipped to give that talk because we didn't go that way. Um, I don't know. Are there other... And, and importantly, uh, in the informal conversations I've had with my students, they are really interested in this idea of what are yeah. non-academic routes that I can use my degree. And and I completely agree. Like I, I go, what, why would you want to do a non-academic yeah. route? Actually, I, uh, I don't have that reaction. I can think of a lot of reasons <laughs> why they shouldn't go the academic route. I can't give them much guidance right. to how to best address that, but I can give a 
a lot of reasons why not to go this route. But that's a place where I think it would be really important to develop that capacity, but I don't I don't have that capacity. Yeah. yeah I don't know yeah, what other things in under because I mean we can talk about like statistics. So um, some of the students have mentioned that they you know they learn about you know SPSS or whatever it is in research methods and then they use it once and then never use it again. But it gets into that same issue of I mean, all right, we can I can teach them again how to run a T test, but I don't know that that's going to be all that useful for them. So having labs on you know statistics maybe useful, maybe not. Well, I've done it before. I've had modules on descriptives in particular, like okay. like skill development, but at a very generic kind yeah. of level. So no. let's really think. Okay, so we asked our participants these five items: Are they all part of this? Are they all measuring the same concept? And right. then walking through the descriptives and correlations and that kind of thing. And I do feel like it was useful because it reinforced what they learned, but it felt, I think, more relevant. Yeah. Um, but I don't do it regularly. I like that idea, too. Of, um, I mean, I'm assuming this is what you're doing, of like, hey, here's the study you guys helped run. Yes. Yeah. And then so they probably are a little bit familiar with it. That's a little bit different than a lot of times that where we just like, hey, throw them a you know, hypothetical situation. Yeah. So I, I do like that. And that, that's something I think is really important to always summarize. Okay, we ran three studies this semester. Here are the results of those studies yeah. to, to give them, you know, you worked really hard. And, and I think this attaches to a, a broader question that I want to ask both of you. Um, but, but I'll, I'll get to it. Um, but this idea, like you showed them sort of the, this is the result of the hard work. Um, but I'm curious what you think about, like, with regard to the purpose of the lab meeting, do you see it as as part of it as being like to inspire your students or to get them excited about research? And I guess more pointedly, what pressures do you feel uh, when you go into your lab meeting? Like, what do you feel like you need to or have to provide to your students when you go into a lab meeting? Not much pressure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, like, like, I don't necessarily, and this is not the, this is where I was coming in with this whole, like, what I currently do is probably not what I, what I feel like I should be doing. But currently, I don't feel much pressure, and I don't know that, like, it's going to inspire many people to continue on with research. I think the people who are already interested in it, I hope to, um, you know, get them more involved. And so, like I said, with some of the students that even if they weren't doing like an honors project, it was just like a, a um, kind of outstanding student who was really interested. And so then we ended up doing kind of um, um, independent um, studies, um, different studies there. So they, they got more involved. And so definitely I've helped kind of, I don't know, cultivate some of that. But if the students come in and aren't already kind of excited about the research, um, I was saying they should probably join one of your labs. Um, but, uh, my lab is not going to inspire that student to then, you know, become a, a, a academic researcher. I mean, they'll, you know, they'll get their credit, they'll learn about research, they'll learn the study that, that we ran, what we found, and the very basics. But I don't think I can do much to, to inspire that type of a student who already doesn't have that, that may be more intrinsic motivation, or not intrinsic, pre-existing motivation. Interest, yeah. Yeah, interest uh, beforehand. Um, but again, I'm not saying that's necessarily the right thing. That's just kind of where I'm at yeah. now. And I think that's why I wanted to have this conversation is because I feel like I do feel that obligation. And lately, I've been disappointed that I have been 
I've not perceived that they are inspired. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I infer that I'm not that inspiring. <laughs> um, and I think that's different from when I first started my lab. I've noticed a shift. And so I want to find ways to get reinvigorated. And I don't, and I, I mean, I think having the practicum helps. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I think a real challenge is like when you were saying showing them the results of the work that they've done. Yeah. When it's an online study, they're not really, they're not, they're waiting for months. And sometimes they're joining in a semester when we started collecting it last semester. Mm-hmm. And right. so they don't even, they weren't even there for design. Yeah. And so this shift to online studies has really hindered my ability to like show them a connection. I think this goes back to our earlier conversation where <laughs> I was right. Inter should die. Inter should die. <laughs> yeah. uh, and yeah. here's yet another reason why Inter should die. <laughs> with the be enter, yeah. be online with the, with the, the university subject. Oh, no, we, we should keep that <laughs> That, that's great. Yes, I was going to say. Yeah. And that, I mean, what I'm running now is is with the subject pool. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of feel like it's a waste of everyone's time to make someone come in to fill out a survey yeah. when they could just do it online and there's no, con- you know, no yeah. like, real research concerns yeah. for having it in that mode. Um, but yeah, the, the RAs obviously yeah, aren't going to feel as connected yeah. if they're not actually running people through it. It's like they need to put like invest time and effort exactly. into it, yeah. even if it's like technically a waste because <laughs> right. they can do it online. I know. It, I am sort still, of like maybe. Yeah, maybe it's still. Yeah, maybe it's still valuable because then they feel more invested in the project. They get more interested and so on. And then this, yeah. I don't know, magically inspires that student to become a professor. I, I mean, I I think that's a legitimate question. To ask. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the things that I think my lab meeting is for is in part to build community and build inspiration. And like Twyla said, I feel a lot of pressure to inspire my students. Like I want them to come in and say, like, yeah, we're part of this lab and yeah, we're investigating some important questions. And like this might not be what I want to do for the long haul, but I really want to like work at this and find an answer. And part of the reason why I went to to bi-weekly lab meetings was I I could not sustain um, You can't be enthusiastic for (laughs) I am not that interested. (laughs) For one hour a week you can't do it. So you had to go to one hour every other week. I can be interesting for 30 minutes every week or one hour every two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, I've just been. This has caused like a, a broader, um, a broader debate, I guess, within myself about what is the lab meeting for. Like, what do I want out of it? Is it so that like I can bask in the adoration of my my undergrads? Like, no, I don't. I don't think that's it. But I do. I do want to inspire my undergrads. I want them to feel involved and passionate about the work that they're doing. And on top of that, like I want them to get something out of this. Uh, I want them to learn how to communicate their ideas, even if they're never going to be an academic. Learning how to give a talk, I think, is is a is an important thing. Like learning how to communicate ideas. Um, and and it's interesting because this is very very different from the model of a lab meeting that I had as a grad student, where it's Here's today's findings. Uh, here's today's you know picture, uh, and we're going to critique those findings. and And that's just 
that is not a format that I think works well for a comprehensive university where there are more undergrads than grad students. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, hundred percent agree, and I think that's partly why I got into the kind of routine that I'm in is because it was what was modeled for me it was not what necessarily works here, but that was just like, oh yeah, continue, you know, just get the people run the studies and, and so on. But I agree, the more that we talk about this, the more that I I get into that idea, you know, I'm, I'm still maybe not quite on board with the whole I'm trying to inspire them. I'm, I don't know that I'm particularly inspiring, but um, that they can actually get some use and, and utility out of the lab meetings and, and like you said, giving presentations, regardless of whether they're giving a, a research presentation or they're at a job and they have to give a presentation for their boss or they have you know a client and they have to give a present- presentation for them, the same principles are still there of you know, delivering information in a timely, effective manner. Um, and so I think that can be useful for people regardless. And so I think that there probably could be lessons, information that we yeah. can give. And, and we have this opportunity where we're interacting with the students, or at least we can. Right. And I, I think that right now, a lot of it for, for me is a little bit wasted. Whereas, you know, if I, you know, kind of develop some of these um, uh, ideas or basically by developed, I mean, steal your ideas um, and uh, stole your guys' ideas and, and, and incorporated those, I think, yeah, that could be a much more useful useful um, um, kind of way of interacting with the students and, and so they feel like they got something out of it as well. And, and I guess we should be clear, uh, Twyla, Twyla made a face earlier when I said I'm not doing it to bask in the adoration of my grad, uh, of my undergrad students. I probably, like, I think, I think it's probably true, like, a little bit of this is, is, is motivated by, like, I want my undergrads to, like, look up to me and I want to bask in a little bit of that love. Like, there's, there's a... to have t-shirts with your face on them. No, no, not, not quite. There's something more subtle. Like, that, that, that's garish. A shrine? Yeah. I mean, maybe a shrine. Maybe a little shrine in, in the corner in, of a room. In their homes. I would like each of them to have a shrine in, in the corner of their homes. But it is it is cute that you think that they actually look up to you, though. <laughs> so it's, uh, He's so young. I know. <laughs> so the other question I have, though, is what role... Do, what do you think about having a vertical structure in the lab? Yeah. Because, mm. you know, in, when, in our ones, grad students run labs in a lot of places and that, like, the undergrads are lucky if they even know what the faculty member looks like. <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. Vice versa. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. vice versa. So I found it pretty much impossible to adopt that model, even yeah. if I wanted to here. So I'm wondering what you guys think. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those statements. I think that that's a great idea. I know that there are a couple people in the department who seem to um, be good at that, where they have that vertical structure. I don't really know how that actually works. And I think part of it is my own shortcomings of I just get... Well, some of it's just planning beforehand, right? I mean, so half the time I'm like planning the lab meeting about five minutes before. Well, I can't then have somebody else run it because they don't know what I'm doing because I didn't know what I was going to do. So part of it's that, just a lack of planning. Um, but part of it is just the, um, you know, getting somebody else to be involved or in charge and, and, you know, assigning them that information, making sure that they're doing that. That just takes a lot of work and it ends up being just a lot easier. So like I was doing myself this time or I'll put together the presentation. And, and like we have had a talk, um, uh, just to at least say one thing that we've done of like the professionalism you're talking about. Like I did give that um, uh, presentation. So most semesters we talk about that um, because there's just a lot of things that they never get explicit information about that, that's useful. And but that was the same thing where then 
I put that all together and I didn't say, hey, grad student X, why don't you go ahead and do this? So I don't really know how to adopt that, but I do think that could be helpful. Mm-hmm. Buddy, I'm kind of opposed to the vertical structure. Uh, and, and not... Communist. Again, I, yeah, yeah th- I think this is like just my inner contrarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And again, I'm, I'm not saying like this is a prescription for every single lab, especially like not R1 labs. I, I think that this is actually something that is unique to our standing at marginally significant and you know our our, compre- yeah. our, mar- uh, our marginal comprehensive universities. Yeah. And and it's that what is the lab meeting for? Part of what the lab meeting for is for the undergrads to get to talk with us. And, and so I really think of my lab meetings as a very horizontal, uh, horizontal structure where like, I might be leading the particular lab meeting, but I'll pitch an idea and then everyone weighs in on it. And, and I think for me, that is an important dynamic in the lab that it is very, very level. I, I agree with, 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 with what both of you said. It's a lot more work mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't allow you to outsource work. Um, to like grad students who can run the lab meeting for you. But, but I think that for the institution that we're at, I think that it's more important for, for undergrads to like actually have access to us, to be able to ask us questions, to be able to, you know, learn from our experiences as much as it is. Yeah, I, so I to, to clarify. So when I was thinking, like, what would that look like? What I was ima- what I was imagining was not grad student runs the lab meeting. I'm not even there. So thank goodness I don't have to interact with those people. That's not what I was thinking. What I was thinking was um, in the sense of. I would, you know, have an idea, give it to the grad student. The grad student would then run the lab meeting that I was at. So the undergrads would still get the FaceTime with me. They would be able to ask questions. I would be able to, to you know, give my wonderful um, information that I always do, of course, um, and this, this wisdom. And Shower so, them with your knowledge. Exactly. And so I would still be there to do that, but the grad student would get that opportunity to basically figure out how, how do you run? Uh, discussion. How do you come up with an idea? How do you put all this together? So, so really going back to this whole idea of like you know development and, and, and learning, mm. the grad student would get the get the kind of experience of doing that because it's not just some innate thing that everybody knows how to do. It's when you have to do it the first time, you kind of learn through trial and error. And so the grad student would have that opportunity. I would still be there to kind of interact and, and answer questions and so on. So everybody would still see everybody, but it would just be that the leader would be a different person. Yeah. Not always the leader is me. Whereas right now, that's all it is. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And I like that idea. I think one limitation we haven't mentioned, well, I mean, it's implicit, but we have students for two years. And so yes. um, that makes them harder to train people to the level where yeah. we can toss them an idea yeah. and then they can run with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's inherently yeah. problematic. In a PhD program, when you have somebody, it's their third year, it's their fourth year, it's their fifth year. It's like me, it's their sixth year. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. There you go. So, I mean, that, you know, that's an advanced grad student who yeah. should be expected to be able to do that. As a first year grad student, I mean, I would not have done a great job running a lab right. meeting. So, you know, and that's what we're looking at right now. So it's hard. Yeah. Research is hard. It is. Research is hard. But I, I do think 
It's been an interesting experience that, so I did my PhD in an R1, I did a postdoc in an R1, and then coming to a comprehensive university, I've really changed my idea about Mm -hmm. what what is the purpose of a lab meeting. And my current theory of the case is that it's in part to excite your undergrads. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is in part to give them access to you uh, so that they can ask you questions about things. And it is also a lot about developing them as students, but it it has changed. Like my lab meeting or my, my sort of conception of the lab meeting has gone from it's about a senior student or PI talking about an idea and sort of refining that idea to it's much more of a ground up. I want to develop more junior students. And I, I think that that's an interesting, or at least for me, yeah. for me, like that, that's an interesting uh, change in my thinking about like what a lab meeting is. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. I agree as well. I think the one thing I struggle with though is that my research is never a priority because mm. I focus so much on development. Right. And so maybe there needs to be more of a balance. I don't know. But like I have the sort of freedom to not be publishing very quickly yeah. because I have tenure and we're at a comprehensive university. Wow. <laughs> so I can do I can do studies slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are moments when I reflect on if I stopped educating <laughs> and inspiring yeah. and just had collect my data, yeah. then this would have been done a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that balance is I just feel like I'm constantly struggling to figure out. And that's maybe like a pre-post tenure difference that I, maybe as as like the pre-tenure person of our group, I feel a particular pressure to produce. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll like, we'll check back in a year and a half Mm -hmm. and see if that uh, feeling changes if and or when I get tenure. Or if you're here. That's true. Wow. Burn. Burn. Gonna put me out on the soiling green pile. (laughs) Ouch. Yep. Uh, so on that happy note with uh, Monroe maybe not getting tenure, yep. we, uh, Twyla turning me into Soylent Green. Yep. No, it was a joke. I wouldn't be that tasty anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All stringy. There you go. That's going to be the, uh, um, the tagline. The, the intro to the, I yeah, I wouldn't be that tasty anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't want to say anything because you know that's all true. So, yeah, so I was saying, yeah, so I mean, thank you for listening to Marginally Significant, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Marginally Significant. We'd love to hear if you have comments, questions, or any feedback about today's episode. You can message us on Twitter at MarginallySig. Our email address is MarginallySig at gmail.com. And there's a contact form on our website, which is MarginallySig.com. However you contact us, we'll be sure to reply. Uh, If you're interested in supporting the show, we'd also love getting reviews on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And finally... Uh, You can post about the show on Twitter, Facebook, or any other social media platform that you use. However you support the show, we really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.